This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International, or PSI, warm line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rock. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Rowan Two Sisters, your favorite urban kudandera and midwife here in Houston, Texas. And you've landed on the afterbirth um, We're an online support group meeting every Tuesday at 11 Central. We want you to join us. And if you can't, we're happy to have you listen along later. And if you have something you want to ask or a topic suggestion, you can use the Anchor app to send me a voice message or you can shoot me a note at hello at preggers.rocks. All right. And today we're going to talk about sex again because we want to keep, we're sexy bitches, I guess. And uh, let's introduce ourselves and then uh, go from there. Hi, I'm Tiffany, um, mom of two girls, um, five-year-old Lily's in kindergarten, and I stay at home with Willow, who is about to be four next month. Um, we are living in Maryland, and just making some elderberry today. Hey, my name is Beverly, mother of four ranging from four months to eight years old. Um, Right now I am waiting for my mom outside of a doctor's appointment, so I might have to run off um, in a few minutes. But um, I really, really treasure this group, and I just wanted to – I felt like I needed to say that because it's been on my mind a lot. I've been – I look forward to this every week, and it does a lot for me just to know – that I have this um, support. So I just wanted to say that. Hey, I'm Caitlin. I'm a mom of two. Um, I'm trying to get my headphones situated. Um, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old who are finally both back in school. So we are going, yeah. I want to quick roll back around to elderberry because I think it's important to share um, wisdom like this. And so what I know about elderberry is that people start losing their shit over elderberry juice. And then I happened to look down, it was at my old house. I had this like an old funky witch's house and uh, there was this huge elderberry bush right by the front porch, but I had never really noticed it much because the chickens were um, elderberry wasn't a plant that I used very much or was familiar with. 
but the chickens would mostly eat their little berries. And when the chickens would eat their little berries, then they would plant them all over the yard. So I had to like get the yard guy off of them. And then, um, and I would occasionally like just get them and grind them up and throw them in smoothies, but I wouldn't make a, a sauce out of them. So Tiff, will you kind of catch us up on elderberry? Cause it's a way that um, people can keep their um, lives and their, their babies and their own bodies healthy. Sure. Um, you can buy elderberry syrup over the counter. It's very expensive. So um, I have been making my own for the past year and a half or so. Um, I buy whole dried organic elderberries offline from a reliable source. And there's a recipe that I use that's mixed with honey. Um, the other ingredients are ginger, cloves, cinnamon, and I add turmeric, um, and it makes a little bit less than a quart. Um, so you're really saving a lot of money by doing it yourself. And I use it every day with my kids through the flu season, just give it to them a few times a day as a way to boost immunity. Or if you're already sick, it helps to lessen your cold by a few days. Um, which you would just drink more of it. Um, and they just drink it straight from like a tiny little cup or I'll put it in a syringe or whatever. And um, when you mix it with the honey, it's just tastes like berry cinnamon honey. Right on. Will you uh, screenshot that recipe that you were reading off and I'll add it in the show notes here. Yeah, sure. Cool. And we want to tell you, don't ever do anything that we tell you to do. We want you to, get an idea and research it and make decisions for your own self and for you and your family. Cause we're not your medical doctor. And even though I'm a midwife, I'm not your provider. So we want everybody to make their own decisions, but also be inspired to research natural ways if that's how you roll. Okay. Um, anybody got anything going on that we want to talk about any burning things? I wish Adila was here cause she had some stuff blowing up that we wanted to kind of talk about, but sometimes she shows up a little bit into the, the chat. So any, anybody got a hair on fire that we need to talk about before we, Roll into talking about sex. All right. Nobody's, everybody's like shaking their head. Okay. The only thing I wanted to say real quick is that um, I'm going to show this um, magazine cover. This is Edible Houston with Pat Greer on the front. And I don't know if you remember, but um, Pat Greer was our sponsor for the first like year and a half. Uh, Pat Greer's Kitchen. So this is in Houston. She's on the cover of Edible Houston. Um, let's see. It's the early spring 2020 issue number 26. So Edible Houston, and this whole thing is full of like women chefs. So it's all like, and here's Pesto Du Jour, and it's all like, just it's a cool magazine, and this episode is especially kind of good. So um, if you wanted to get a copy of this, if you go someplace in Houston and they have them, this is our sponsor, and I'm really grateful. Pat's also my BFF, and so the fact that she sponsored us and supported us when we were first getting going is really kind, and thanks, Yaya. I normally call her Yaya. That's what her grandkids call her, too. So that's all I had to say. And I'm also fixing to go to spinning babies. It's a training to help um, optimal fetal positioning. Most people have um, fetal positioning issues um, with their baby. And a baby with a tucked head navigates the pelvis better as opposed to a deflexed head or like a head that's like gone up like a little bit back. 
think about diving. If you dive with your head tucked between your hands, it goes out much better. But if you like put your head up, then your head hits water and it's a much more challenging entry into the water. So I'm taking a Spinning Babies Advanced Aware Practitioner course. So I've been doing all the homework and I'm coloring and I'm looking at, oh, and also there's a heavy emphasis on breach and helping um, babies, um, maybe not so much turn, that's called an ECV, but helping um, bodies have balance so that if baby wants to go head it down, then baby can with ease. So that's kind of, I'm going to be doing that next week. And so um, if somebody wants to host for next week, that's an option too. That's up for grabs. Okay. So that's all I got going on. Um, how about checking in after last week? Any, any sexy time updates or any, any thoughts after last week's talk about sex? I had an epiphany about like feeling guilty for like doing it for myself. Um, and I was like, wait a second. My husband is the only one who's ever bought me a toy. I've never bought myself a toy. My husband always bought it for me. So he's totally expecting that I do this anyway. Like, why the fuck am I feeling guilty about this when he's the one encouraging me to? Hey, y'all. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk after birth style. Uh, for those who are listening later, we're all laughing. Everybody who's here is laughing. That is a great epiphany. Did you share that epiphany? Did anybody talk to their partners about anything that we talked about last Well, I was supposed to have a talk with my boyfriend um, about something that I talked to you about, Rowan. I saw Rowan for a massage a couple days ago and and something had been on my mind um, that I shared with her because I've been thinking about this stuff a lot, especially because we had our talk last week and um, I was telling her about how, you know, we talked about sex feeling like it's just another thing on the to-do list um and how we dread it sometimes and i realized that a lot of times i'm not nearly as um physical with my boyfriend as i would like um because of the fact that i feel like he's always going to want it to lead to sex. And so I'm, even if we're just sitting down and watching a movie, sorry, I keep getting a, even if we're just sitting down and watching a movie, I don't like, I'm more apprehensive to just like cuddle up with him or anything like that, because then I feel like it's gonna, he's going to want to lead to other things. And so then I'm like less likely to do those things just because of the fear of sex which sucks I mean that's like so I was supposed to have that conversation with my boyfriend and just like put that out there and say hey you know I don't remember exactly now what we talked about but basically just saying you know telling him my fear and my thoughts and saying maybe we should have like a certain code word or something like or hey I just want to cuddle right now but I don't want to feel pressure to like have sex with you or something like that. So I, that is a talk that I'm going to have. It just hasn't ha like, there wasn't, hasn't been any time for it or anything. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have that talk soon. 
I am totally feeling this. I mean, I feel like this happens to me a lot. And um, it's, it's also something that I've not really brought up with with my husband directly. Um, and it's good to know that I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will, I'm less likely to cuddle or ask for a foot rub or back massage or something like that because sometimes that's all I want, you know? And I don't know, maybe we need like a code word or, hey, I just want a back rub. I'm not DTF tonight. I feel every word of this too. Sometimes I just want my back rubbed. This is not an invitation into my other parts. It's just a back rub. Damn it. How about the other way? You know, because I hear what you're saying that um, sometimes we just, you know, our needs are this or we just have enough energy for X, right? Or maybe we're not, you know, like whatever our energy levels are, we're, we're not wanting to receive something inside of us. And penetration sex is, you know, like kind of the huge. So how do you say, yeah, I just want to be close to you, but I'm not trying to set you up for an expectation that later I'm going to have to say no for or whatever. And I think that's maybe the code word part. But what about the other way? Have you ever like down to it? Like, yeah, I'll massage your feet, but I don't want to get down. Does it ever go the opposite way? No, it never goes the other way. I never get, I feel like I never get anything for free anymore. I'm so glad Tiff is laughing at this because these are like, okay, these are, these are really like personal things, right? But we're all up against the same thing of just feeling pressure for wanting to like ask for our needs to be met, right? And that super sucks but it's that we have another level of need than just gratification or um, orgasm, climax, whatever the hell you want to call it, you know? Um, so I think this is both funny and sad all at the same time. And I'm glad we can all laugh about this, but it's actually a serious issue. And this came up in a mom's group I'm in last week was that like, that, you know, someone was feeling like, okay, am I the only one that feels this way? And in our group already, we're all like, nope, we all feel this. And, it, you know, it was shocking to see it across the board. Even in the group, in the comments, was like, every mom was like, yep, yep, feel this way. I get this. This is exactly how I feel. You know, it's just, it's so much more common than I think any of us really realized. So I don't know what the solution is because that's that's a problem. When you realize it's not just you and that there are other women moms out there dealing with the same thing, yeah, it is a problem. Like why is there some kind of expectation on us as the female to just give in to whatever needs our partner wants, whether our partner's male or female. Um, when Rowan said, does it go the other way? I thought you meant like, 
where you want to have sex and he doesn't. For me, it's more like if he's had too much to drink, I'm less likely to want to have sex because it's more work for me. It's not as enjoyable. Sometimes it's more difficult for him to come, which makes it just not as enjoyable. So if I see that he's had more than two drinks, I'm like, nah, not tonight. Cause it just, it takes the fun out of it. Sometimes I run into the issue that because now that sex is more infrequent than it used to be, he wants it to be longer and longer. Like he wants it to drag it out. And I'm like, I wasn't down for like an hour and a half. I was down for like the 15 minute I need to go to bed. Right. So yes, sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's do the marathon. And other times I'm like, sorry, I was in this for a sprint and you are making this a marathon that I can't like, I don't have the capacity for. So there's that part of this too, is that then he, you know, he's like, I want to enjoy it. I want it to last forever. And I'm like, I can't like, I just, no, you know, like that's not what I was up for, but then you're in the middle of it. So then what do you do? You know, you just, I mean, you figure it out, but that's part of what turns me off too, is I'm like, Oh, it's going to be like this long thing. It's not going to just be like this 15 minute deal. It's going to be another hour of, you know, anyway. So lately another hurdle for us has been, you know, usually it's at night after the girls go to bed, which is fine. But sometimes, you know, we go through like a dry spell and both of us, you know, want to have like a quickie on a weekend. So we're trying to like occupy the girls for long enough that, you know, we know that they're not going to bother us or we know that they're not going to fight with each other. So that's been like another, a bit of a hurdle is just almost like trying to fit it, fit it in, in a, a time <laughs> that works for everybody in the family. Um, because, you know, sometimes it'll work for the two of us, but at the same time, it might not work for our kids. <laughs> so um, that's just been like another little bit of a difficult thing also because you know they're more aware they're both growing up so they both know how to open doors now and they both have their own opinions and feelings so it's almost like that has to be considered also i feel like this is when the cool aunt takes them to the movies you know or something like that this is what we need the every you know Every other Sunday afternoon when you're, you know, Aunt Gigi's going to take you to the movies and you're like, sweet, I can get down and catch a nap. <laughs> Maybe smoke a bowl or something, if that's what you want. I'm not here to promote drug use, but okay. Speaking of kids interrupting, um, decided to take a bath by myself this weekend. Um, had my toy on the side of the tub. I locked all available doors that can be locked. My husband decided to go to the bathroom. My son got the keys from my keychain and was unlocking all of the doors and just walked in. You know, and it's just like that's that's where we're at. It's like it, it's almost like if you do not have one hundred percent supervision 
I mean, he took his one opportunity because he wanted to come tell me about something that they did. Great, but like, there's a reason I locked the doors. So now we have to have a conversation about locked doors, you know? Um, so it's just, I don't know, it doesn't feel safe in the house anymore, like to do anything because my kid can unlock doors now. You know, he knows how to find the right key to unlock a door in, you know, the span of three minutes. I was not able to listen to last week's um, last week's chat. Um, I'm guessing that there was discussion of toys involved. Can girl, you missed out. You missed out. You need to go back and listen because it was good. We like looked up in the time. We're like, oh shit, it's time. We gotta like wrap it up. But we were like all in it, man. But yes, we talked about toys. When Bev came to see me for body work, um, for those who don't know, I still do a little bit of body work on the side as in addition to midwifery skills. Um, but she came from postpartum massage and I just have a real tender part in my heart for Bev. I've known her about eight or nine years and one thing I love about Bev is she just keeps bouncing back up. Like the stuff can be real shit and Bev just like grabs herself and just pulls herself up each time, you know? So I just love that little Bev. And for those of you who don't know, she's a real tiny woman. I don't even know that she's five feet and <clears throat> 120 pounds, but anyway, she came in to see me. And one thing we taught up was um, we brought up was also was communication with our partner about what feels good to us and what doesn't. And Bev and I were both in the same boat that, when we have a, a partnership that's super intimate us, it's hard to be forthcoming about what we want sexually. But when we have like some like random romantic relationship or like, you know, uh, friends with benefit situation, we're like, Hey, this is what we want. And like just real open and stuff, as opposed to our somebody that we should feel most safe and intimate talking with and being open with that there's a shyness and awkwardness. And Bev also mentioned that because she hasn't been with her boyfriend all that long and they did get pregnant, the, second or third time they were you know together um she was telling me that um he was asking her you know i want you to be my girlfriend and she goes you know i'm just not ready yet i'm not ready yet and then she goes hey surprise by the way i'm ready to be your girlfriend and i'm pregnant you know like so it was one of those where um she was funny last time tip she talked about having awkward ass vanilla sex because that's all she's been pregnant almost the whole time they've been together so we talked a little bit about you know just having emotional intimacy to even share with what we did want we when we were having sex. So I wanted to see what you guys thought about that. I think for me, it's the emotional intimacy that will actually lead to physical intimacy. It's because then that's the part that I feel connected and then I want to share the other parts of me. But if I don't feel like I'm emotionally taken care of, then I am not emotionally capable of taking care of someone's physical needs. Um, you know, and I think that that couples to my kids' emotional needs too, right? Like if, if my needs as a mom are, are, are not met, 
I'm not as good of a mom to meet their physical needs. Like I'm just too tired. You know, if I don't have time to do any kind of self-care, whatever that looks like, um, that's what it looks like for me. Um, I did bring up, you know, my preference or lack thereof with, you know, this drinking and the sex. And I think that was like two weekends ago. I, I brought it up to my husband and I was like, look, I don't like this. And, you know, if you, if you want to have sex with me, then don't drink so much. And, you know, he took it to heart and he listened and he was really understanding you know, the whole rest of that day. And he's been drinking a lot less. And I've noticed that, you know, there, I feel like there was like more of a connection since then, because I was open with how I felt and what I wanted. And um, I mean, I, I'm hope, I hope that, you know, that's reciprocal on his end, but he's never really brought anything to my attention. So I'm guessing that he's happy. <laughs> Do you feel comfortable asking him? Hey, I'm asking you to drink less if you want to get down. Is there something that I could be doing? Is that, or are we just afraid if you ask that, they'll be like, yeah, just put out more or whatever? Um, uh, apparently, I've had issues in the past with bringing up problems to him and that he takes it as like he gets very defensive or feels bombarded. So I prefaced it with, hey, when you're ready, there's something that I want to talk to you about. And, you know, I had to kind of like play it out in my own mind and have the conversation with myself first so that I was ready to be fully, uh, just, just ready to say everything that I wanted to say without being interrupted or without having a fight about it or without forgetting my own talking points or anything like that. And that really seemed to help. I've noticed that he likes to have the, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about a little bit later or whatever. Let me know when you're ready so that he has the mental space to say, you know, oh, okay, what could it be? You know, whatever. He just likes to have that however many minutes, a couple of hours, whatever it is, so that when he's ready, um, he can come back to me. I gotta say, I'm a fan of that too. And as I navigate my own relationships, I was trying to think like when the kids were little, I remember that um, when I was married to Carolyn, that I knew that it was gonna be like she was open to getting down if she put, um, we had like a bunch of candles that we would light. It was like a rainbow arch because we're gay. Um, so must have rainbow. So it was like a rainbow votive arch. And so she would light candles in there. And I was like, oh, it's the signal getting down time, you know, and if one of us would, you know, if she did the candles and then um, I would like to kind of start, oh, we'd like look at each other. Oh, okay. Kind of head nod. And I would kind of round up kids. And I remember one time we were like super loud and we woke up one of the kids, like a lot of the kids are adults or um, not adults, adolescents, but um, Rose was like, I don't know, four or something. And like, we woke her up and she comes in, she goes, what happened? And Carolyn was like, Rowan saw a bug, you know, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny and quick. So. Um, 
yeah yeah figuring out the the you know like even a signal like that so and i do want to say that um i know both y'all's husbands and i know um well i hope that they are as kind and um loving as like i perceive them to be that you know that they're good partners to you guys and stuff so i wanted to say that i don't think any of us have like terrible shitty partners although if i did think that i would of course say it because that's how i roll but um yeah. I want to say that I have an amazing husband and I love him dearly. I think we just all have issues with partners because we spend a lot of time with each other, you know. I think that goes for anyone you spend a lot of time with. Of course, there's going to be um, scuffles or disagreements or different things, but that I do love my husband even if I am mad at him sometimes. As, a, as we actually say to each other, I love you, but I'm not always required to like you. And sometimes I don't like him. I still love him, but sometimes I just don't like him at that moment. I feel like even saying that is, you know, not bold, but just uh, it's very forward. And I don't think I've ever said that to him or him to me or anything like that. Um, one thing we do say often as like words of encouragement is we make a pretty kick-ass team, which is something that I said to him one time, you know, after doing a big project or moving or something and it's just stuck around. So um, even that conversation that I had with him, that's how he ended it, which I thought was pretty funny. I wanted to tell you the sweet thing that um, Bab's boyfriend, I think his name was Blake, said to her that they were playing some game with her other kids and um, they said, who's the strongest person you know or something? And he's like, well, your mom. And they're like, no, no, you're stronger than mom. He goes, no, your mom had this baby right here in the living room or whatever, you know, because she had a home birth. And um, that really stuck with him. And then also it made her feel really good that he honored her and they were a good team. Like he was a real good partner when she was having that baby. I was there. Um, so I thought that was sweet too. All right. Well, so any resolutions or anything you guys are going to do different or we come up with any solutions or we're just going to keep talking about it until we oh you know here's one thing i want to lap back around to what needs as a mom if you what needs as a mom or primary parent do you need to get met in order to feel um open and available for sexy time because i think you said that maybe tip for caitlin i can't remember but so what needs do you need to get met as either a mom or primary parent because we try and do be inclusive in this group like that is a goal um, what needs do you need to be met so that you can be open and share your energy and be sexy? I need them. I need my partner to, I need to not ask them to help me. I need them to just stand up and take over something that needs to be done that night, whether it be back time or putting the kids to bed or um, making the lunches for the next day. Like if it's just one of those things that I didn't have to ask for, you know, because it's me having to ask and it's the mental capacity of needing to remember 
not only to do it, but then to also ask for help in recognizing that I need help. So it's that whole wheel um, that doesn't have to turn to free up that mental space for me to also free up physical space, if that makes sense. I am right there with Caitlin. Like it's, it's much easier for me to be available for someone else when I know that there's other stuff in the house taken care of that I don't have to worry about, that I don't have to even ask another adult to do because then it just makes everything feel just more easygoing, more, I don't know, open, just easy which, you know, makes, lets, allows me to relax in just a different way. Like, just thinking about it kind of makes me <laughs> feel a little stressed out. There's a link to an article that I'll put in the show notes and also in the um, chat box, but it was about company culture and it was about like people who create stuff and that there'll be like this one person who makes this cool thing, but doesn't make it in a way that integrates with everything else or they'll keep adding. It's being additive as opposed to subtractive. Like, so if there's a list of tasks that need tasks that need to get done, if you just pull some off knowing that if you don't do them, somebody else is going to have to do them. So kind of like, um, I don't know, the article is super good and it's about like why people who, and working spaces, they'll make this cool thing and they don't understand why everybody doesn't get all excited about their cool thing. Well, the cool thing doesn't jive with everybody else's cool thing and it's not part of the comprehensive team. And by creating this cool thing, you've left seven under other, you know, kind of less cooler things undone that you have to finish up. So, and I kind of think about that like in a practical sense is like, you know, every week my sister has to remind my brother-in-law to take out the freaking trash. Like, every Monday, every Monday morning, every Saturday, Sunday night, it's like a big surprise. Just fucking figure it out, dude. Plan ahead, take all the stuff out. If you have to work at the crack of dawn Monday morning, do it Sunday night, like, you know, or do it Sunday afternoon or whatever. So it's that whole like emotional labor of having to remind one more task that needs to get done. If you could just do it and handle it. Oh, and while you're there, if you switch the trash bags out and took the recycling out, and if there's a few dishes that need to be done, could you knock those out too? Because those are all subtractive tasks that need to get done, right? So if you subtract them off the plate. So I think that's as like primary parents or the person who manages the household. It's like there's so many tasks that need to get done. If you if somebody showed initiative and like knocked them out, like, you know, that's like such an ease right there because then you don't have to be the project manager for figuring out how the trash is going to get taken out every week, even if somebody else says they're going to do it. Oh, we didn't remind me. What the deal, motherfucker? You're 40 years old. You can't remember the trash day is Sunday? Come on. Yeah, Caitlin just said you found like you found some time. You want to share about that more? Yeah, it's like when somebody does something, you walk out and you go, "Oh, the dishes are done," and you just like you just feel like, "Oh, like I can take a breath," and like you have to because you are already, I don't know, as a primary parent, I'm always five steps ahead, going, "Okay, I'm going to do this, then this, then this, then this, then this." because it's the most efficient way to get all of these things done, right? And I'm 
I'm very type A and need things done in an efficient way. And then if somebody even just pulls one of those things out, it's like I have to refigure out, okay, it takes it off the plate, but you're like, oh, yes, that's, that's done. And you get a second to breathe before you're re-inundated with anything else that needs to be done. And sometimes other things just fall to the wayside because you forget about them and it's okay, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, to me, it's that, oh, like I get to breathe for a second because somebody else was thinking, it's not just that, it's that they were thinking, I feel like they were thinking of me when they did it because they knew I would be the one to do it. And if they did it, then all of a sudden it was not just because it needed to be done. It was also so that I wouldn't have to. So I felt considered. Y'all are speaking my direct love language right now. Like this is what mm, I feel like what my life is like. And, you know, I understand that <clears throat> my husband works all day and he works with kids and, you know, he's got to commute and all this other stuff. But at the same time, like, I don't feel like I have to tell you to load the dishwasher when all, all you did was rinse the dishes in the sink. Like, just do one more step. Just, like, follow through. Or, like, it's like, um, I want him to observe and just, like, take the initiative. Like, break up the fight if you hear something happening. Or, you know, like present an alternative if somebody's unhappy, like just take the initiative. And, you know, when I see a lot of that or when our days go smoothly because he is doing that, then I'm more likely to feel at ease and be willing to, you know, have that intimate time. I found the article, so I put it in there. It's called madeofmetaphors.com backslash shapes. Um, but it's good because it talks, at first you're like, what? And then it talks about project management and all the pieces. And for me, it put, because I'm a kind of geography or um, geography, geometry girl anyway, like it really put pictures together for me. Um, and I think it's a cool tool to kind of like figure out how to talk to kids about that too. But yeah, yeah, like just do one more step. Like how many times I'm like, I live in my uh, sister's backyard in an Airstream and I'll do all the dishes and kind of clean up the kitchen. And then my brother-in-law will put like, you know, one dish in the sink. Like, I'm gonna kill you. Could you have just washed it real quick? Like, what's the problem here? And we don't have a dishwasher here. So the dishwasher is like whoever's standing there. So, and the cat, um, for those who can't see me, I'm tall as hell. I'm over six feet tall. Everybody in my family is tall. My brother-in-law is the shortest one at like 5'10 or something. And so the sink is kind of shitty and hard to like do dishes in. So I get it. It's a drag. But like, could you just do one dish? Come on. Or like if I'm standing there waiting for the hot water to make for the coffee, like I'll unload the, the you know, the dish drainer and stuff. And like, just, you know, do one thing. Come on, let's just all keep it moving. Or my brother can walk, my brother like can walk through like the past the overflowing trash. And I feel like he can do an obstacle course of like stuff to get to wherever he needs to go and not even pick it up. I remember one time I was in the fourth grade, fourth grade, y'all, I'm 49 years old that Mrs. Young said that there was a piece of paper that she left in her living room to see if anybody else would pick it up and everybody in her family stepped over it for a week and a half. So then she taped a dollar underneath it. And then finally one of the kids moved it and found a dollar, but it was like a month later. She was like vacuuming around it and stuff. So 
Thank you, Mrs. Young. I still remember this. Yep, I get that. Yeah, yesterday my husband was home on a rare occasion in the mornings and he helped get one child like dressed and ready for school. And it was just like the most easygoing morning because I wasn't trying to do everything for everyone and get both kids ready for school, get myself ready for school, make breakfast, feed the dogs, feed the cat, feed the lizards and snakes that we have because they needed to be fed yesterday. And you know, make sure that they all have their things for school because it was the start of the week, right? And so you go to school and my two-year-old needs a nap mat and extra clothes and extra underwear and extra pull-ups and their lunches. And, you know, it's just all of those things. But to have my husband just do get one kid ready, freed up, it felt like so much extra time that no one was yelling in the morning that we're out of time, that we got to hurry up, that, you know, we're we're we were okay but yeah so that's what it, that's just what it feels like is it just feels like a breath of fresh air to have the mental capacity to add anything extra in and to feel considered because even if it's not done for you it feels like it's done for you because otherwise you'd have to take care of it same with the paper you know Someone else took care of it. And then all of a sudden you felt like you were cared for because, oh, somebody actually cared enough to pick this up instead of knowing that knowing now that I wasn't going to do it or whatever. Now what I do want to know is once they found the dollar, did they put the paper back on the ground because they were excited about their dollar? Going we back to... <laughs> Like what you said, um, you know, it, it's taken care of. Now I don't have to do it for myself. I think that could probably be applied to orgasms, right? It's taken care of. Now I don't have to go and do it for myself. <laughs> right on, right on. I was thinking about um, gender roles. Like, because when I was a kid, my dad was the one who got everybody up in the morning and Although my sister and I were pretty autonomous, but I guess I don't, you know, when we were super little, I don't remember, but like, I remember from like first and second grade on <clears throat> that my dad, well, even kindergarten, that he would get us all up and ready and we'd eat breakfast and he'd drop us off at school on his way to work. So what were the gender roles when you were a kid, right? Because coming from when Carolyn and I are both, um, well, I'm non-binary, but like female, socialized and grown up female. They, when Carol and I had little kids, we would just divide and conquer. And it was always pretty like, you know, who's going to grab what kid? And we were, we were a very good team. So I'm wondering, like, do gender roles and what you grew up with and what your spouses grew up with, does that um, have an impact? I think so. My mom was the do-it-all mom. Um, she worked outside of the home, um, but she still, I mean, my brother and I joke now that my mom was so dependable. You didn't have to ask her to show up to anything because she already knew when to be there. And she was, she was so dependable. Like if she wasn't there, you'd have called the cops. Even if you didn't remind her of your event, you know, like that's the type of mom she was. Whereas my dad was 
oh, we have to drive 30 minutes. Why are you doing this? Why are you a part of this thing? And it was such an inconvenience to him to have to drive us to an extracurricular that was more than five minutes away, you know. Um, and I find myself doing that for my kids. And same for my husband, like his mom was home. Um, he was homeschooled for a while and his dad worked outside the home. And um, I think now they, you know, they're, I think that's part of it. But then also when my husband and I moved to Houston, um, the deal was that I got to quit working and I got to be a stay at home mom and um, that he would go to work because his, he had gotten a, this new fancy job. And um, I think that was part of it was that I felt like I needed to. And now five years, six years later, I'm realizing I never should have quit working. Like that's, it brings me so much joy to feel like I'm contributing and that it brings me fulfillment to be able to be doing some kind of creative business owning work. Um, that and I think it's just because I also didn't know what being a full-time mom actually meant. Um, but I think it's our gender roles came from both where we grew up, but also out of ignorance for not knowing what it actually meant. Um, same kind of situation, like uh, the mom, the female in my family and in my husband's family was the one to, you know, take care of everything, the household things. Um, my mom, you know, stayed at home with me for all the way up until middle school. She wasn't working and then she did get a job for a little while. Um, and I even just mentioned to Barry, like people talk about how hard parenting is, but I told him, I was like, I never thought it would be this difficult. It's so much more emotionally involved and emotionally draining than I ever could have imagined. Um, and I mentioned to my youngest one that I might be getting a job soon. Just something little like shipped where I can pick up whatever I want or dog sitting or something like that. And she lost her mind. Tears, just like, you know, this overwhelm of I'm losing my mom. And, you know, the next couple of days, she's like, you're not working. You're not getting a job. You're not doing this. And I'm like, whoa, I haven't even applied yet. Like, just slow your roll. Um, but I, you know, it's just another change for her. It's another thing where mom's not going to be around. Um, but yeah, it's draining. <laughs> Good for you for thinking about working. And even sometimes I heard, maybe I said this last time that, um, I did this woman named Nicole who had like a million kids and she got a side job. It was like three days a week or whatever. And her husband came home and she was like, you know what? You've been able to eat your whole lunch by yourself with nobody trying to have a bite or see what you're doing or ask you to do something. You've been having entire lunch breaks for this whole time you've been working. 
you know, and I didn't, you know, no half chewed nothing. And you've been having all this time. And she goes, I don't really resent you for having that. And he's like, but I'm at work. And she goes, I don't care, you know, like, because you're getting to eat undisturbed, doing whatever you want, listening to whatever you want, thinking about whatever you want. Not, you know, she goes, that's been you time at work, eating your lunch. So, yeah. And speaking of businesses, Caitlin, catch us up on yours. I didn't catch what you said. Tell us what's going on with your business. Because a lot oh. of us are business owners and stuff. Um, so for those that don't know, I make Bangkok belly blinds. Um, actually, let me grab you the one I just finished this morning because it was a new request. Caitlin does fabulous belly binds. And for those of you who don't know what belly binding is or Beikung belly binding or any type of thing, the idea is that it kind of gives your body, you do it right after you have your baby, like within the first couple of days, and it helps give your body external structure while your body heals and returns back to form. And it kind of closes the bones a little bit on your hips. And um, so that's what it is. Anyway, I got asked to dye one that is black. Um, and black dye is a rather challenging color because you have to get it, um, make sure you have enough dye, make sure you have enough time in the bath and everything to make sure it's a actual true black. Um, but anyway, I'm getting a lot of new orders, which is great. Um, all of January, I did more binds than I did in the last quarter of last year. So um, things are picking up, which is great. Um, and I still have yet to launch on Etsy, which is just going to, so I'm gearing up for that. And uh, that's coming soon. I've actually got some, in some hot pink ones going right now and a blue one and all sorts of fun colors. So. What fabric are you making them out of? Um, I make them out of muslin because um, it's an easy to work with, easy to dye fabric. And it's really lightweight and breathable because it's all cotton. Um, and it's the, the most lightweight fabric that you can also get in the correct lengths. Um, that's something you will run into if you buy pre-dyed fabric is you'll only be able to find eight yards of a single cut. Um, and you tip it in the average um, traditional bind is 15 yards. So it's challenging to find um, dyed fabric that's long enough um, and then I do um, a paste cover as well as a cover to help um, prevent any damage from the actual knots in the bind um, which is um, a snuggle flannel on the outside um, some people just like wrap over a t-shirt or things like that to help protect just from the knots digging in um, but I made this just as a as a cover um, to help prevent that as well. Got it, got it. And Dr. Blythe and I were going through our fiber studio or fabric studio or sewing studio yesterday, and I found a bunch of uh, muslin um, 
for like, I think somebody had started to make wraps and somehow I inherited. So I'm gonna see if I need the fabric from making fajas, which is a type of um, abdominal support while you're pregnant or even postpartum or whenever, whenever you want or like anti-prolapse or whatever. Um, so I'm gonna see if I need it for that. And if I don't, then I wanted to uh, pass it along your way. And I'm just not like super dedicated to doing that. Like kind of my jam is like altered couture. So even if I pass it to you and then buy it back from you later as a faha or whatever, I don't care. Um, just, you know, we all have different skill sets. So I'm always happy to support my girls, my people, everybody else. We cannot do it all. We just are not capable of doing every single aspect of everything always. That's right. That's why we're here together. Well, so next week, um, Caitlin, can you host or are you busy? I think I can host. Okay. That would be great. I'll be in San Diego learning spinning babies and uh, breech bodywork type things. So I'll be excited to share about that. Because one of the things about breech birth, and for those who are listening, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but that when somebody um, has a baby that's not head down, then uh, pretty much most people end up having a surgical birth. So there's a couple of ways to like not have that. One is to have a provider that feels comfortable delivering breech. But people who, even if they do feel comfortable, don't often have privileges in a hospital that they can do that. Or if it's um, a midwife, then there's some <clears throat> structure about what you can do before you can accept breaches. And here in the state of Texas, you're supposed to have been present and um, at 20 breach births as a primary component. How are you supposed to get these 20 breach births? I don't know. Um, as an assistant, I don't know. But so it's murky. So um, I'm learning more about breach and breach is not something I feel comfortable <clears throat> delivering, especially as a newer midwife and the birth center I work in won't let their structures that you can't do it there. But I know that I'm a super good body worker and I know that um, I can feel pockets of fluid. I know that I can maybe help um, create space and op loosen ligaments that if baby wants to head, go head down, then they can. So that's kind of one of my focuses here. So anybody else have to say anything before we sign off for today? topic for next week i think maybe tiffany's inspiring here like what are things that we do to help our kids stay well or ourselves well or our families well um so like just a, a wellness and we got to make sure that we we say we don't say like this will heal you but if you share it from a place of experience strength and hope kind of like we do in recovery how many rowan by the way i have 10 years sober now um, really sweated that out. <laughs> oh God, six to seven was hard. <laughs> All that after and before was relatively easy, but six to seven years was a hard one. Um, but if we share what works for us and our families and share it from that component, and then if somebody asks why I'm struggling with this, what has worked for you, then we can say it that way as opposed to, you know, eat this honey and it'll cure cancer because, you know, that's not FDA supported. Um, and I don't, you know, agree with the FDA a lot, but I also don't want them on my ass about my support group either. So this is our support group and we should be able to say what we want, but we have to say it from a place of personal experience, anecdotal sharing, as opposed to you should do this. So I think that's probably a good topic, especially with like, you know, there's different cruds going around and whatever. And if it, you know, devolves into vaccine conversation, that's fine too. Like, as long as everybody's like, this is what I do for me and my family. That's fine. Because, you know, when vaccines, like, I'm Gandhi in Switzerland here. I don't care what you do. You decide what you need to do for your family. Kind of just like how I feel about circumcision. You know, you do what's right for you and your family. I'm just here to help you navigate that process, whatever that looks like.
So, all right. Well, it's down to the three of us, but we like each other. Oh, Tiff, do you have anything to say? Um, I like your idea for next week. I wanted to throw out another um, chat topic idea, um, like creative outlets. I've noticed in the past couple of days, like I will be doing something mundane and I'm like, I need to paint right now. I need to draw something right now. Like I need to craft. Um, so that's my personal outlet, but just, you know, talking about how you fit that in as a mom, do you incorporate your kids? Do you do it as a solo act? Do you craft? Do you dance? Do you write? Do you whatever it is? So that's just an idea for next time. Another time. <laughs> and I think those kind of jive too, because when we have like whatever our energy is inside of us that we're getting out, it's like your pressure cooker, right? Like we got to blow off some steam and let ourselves be creative and stuff. Because if we have energy, this is all alternative theory here, but if you have energy trapped in your body and you don't do something with it, your body will find something to do with it. Kind of like incubate an illness or, you know, grow a third eye. I don't know. But like we have to allow ourselves to have that kind of homeostasis, that energetic and that emotional and, you know, social homeostasis also. And I'm a fan of the craft as Tiffany knows. Oh, I also want to say that um, meetup and Marfa dates have been put out. So that's going to be, that's a big um, thing that Dr. Beth and I do. That's an event we do with our BZs out in Marfa, and it's going to be the last weekend in um, June. So, Tiff, look at the dates for that. So, And that's actually how I met Tiffany, through hooping. So it's a hooping event. So, all right. So I think that's it for us. Um, I love you guys tremendously. Thank you being, for being here with me. Um, you know, here we are. This is our third year doing it. There's only three of us right now, but that's okay. <laughs> we get bigger and smaller. And our... Um, our podcast is getting actually some action. People are starting to listen quite a bit. And I heard, I was in a doula group meeting the other day and they said that they sent people to the podcast and say, see if you like them and go to the podcast first. And then if you do, um, you know, you can join the group live. So I don't know if that means they, they don't like us or what, but um, that our podcast is getting more action. So I appreciate that. All right. Unmute yourselves and we can say au revoir and that we love each other and I'll see you in two weeks, but Caitlin will host it next week. Love you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. Great Thanks chat. For being here. Bye. Have a good Bye. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers.rocks. And we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.